You're listening to the Not Your Grandmother's Book Club podcast, where we read them so you don't have to. Like the show? Become a patron at patreon.com forward slash nygbc. You should write a book, Fry. People need to know about the can eat more. getting this book on UFOs. Did you know they're real? But there's a huge comic conspiracy to cover it up. Oh, that's just a paranoid fantasy. I want to be a book that you can pick me up, flip through my pages, make sure nobody drew wieners in me. Hello and welcome to the Not Your Grandmother's Book Club podcast, where we read them so you don't have to. Because... We're not gonna work on Maggie's farm no more. Ooh, whatever. Do the rage version where he just talks. We're not gonna work on Maggie's farm no That's more. That's it. There you go. Perfect. <laughs> A perfect Zach De La Rocha impression. My name is Kevin, and I'm joined as always by my co-host Benedict, who has repeatedly pushed for this podcast's official policy to be to disregard the sovereignty of Commonwealth nations. Benedict! Who's a journalist you're a fan of? You're not even going to argue with that being the policy that you've pushed for. You're really not no, going to argue with it. it's just not worth my time to argue <laughs> it, because also I'll just say something else problematic in trying to disavow it. So, you know, whatever. It's People really can assume that that's a lie. To to New Zealand without a, without a passport. That's really what it's all about. I would like about. that, yeah, actually, yeah. genuinely. Although I don't think I'm very, I'm not, like, barred from New Zealand, <laughs> like... Um, well, you are currently under their COVID policy. Well, that's, that's a whole different thing. Benedict, who's a journalist you're a fan of? Um, that's a good question. I um, I like. It depends how you find, define journalist, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. but in terms of I, I, tend I mean, to like be fan more... in the sense of like this is an individual you follow because you like their reporting. Yeah, well, that's what I mean. Like, it's uh, it it tends to be. I tend to associate being a fan of someone with being a fan of how they think and thus i, I probably am more of a fan of more opinion journalists than Boo. than reporters Boo. um so people like i like adam serwer at the atlantic a lot um who, did you say who or boo it's a boo no, I just I don't like opinion great. piece right. I I just don't like people who are trying to write spicy takes all the time. It's not just, spicy takes. Just it's don't all, like opinion it's piece not, writers. It, okay, not but it. for for magazines, it's different because Fine. they only have to write Fine. once every like once down. once a month. I can get down with the Malcolm Gladwells out there. Fine. Okay, Adam Sir was great. Also, Jamal Bowie at the New York Times is very good as well. Um, big fan of him and him bringing like historical perspective into into his what he's writing about. He's normally writing about current events as well. Um, let me see. I like Liz Brunig's work. I think she's good. Benedict, um, I asked you for one. I asked you for one well, I'm person. I'm just proving how well read I am. <laughs> um, that's, a, that's exactly what I knew you were doing. <laughs> <laughs> you asshole. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and... Oh, you're going to keep going. Fine, yeah. fine. No, we're just no, going to no, spend this it, whole episode it. with you saying, oh, I've read so many things. Let me list off all the magazines <laughs> within a five-foot radius of where I'm sitting. <laughs> Uh, no, that's it. That's it. I, th- those are my those are my probably uh, three of the ones that I like a lot. Uh, what about you, uh, Benedict uh, Will Sommer? That's my answer. I'm gonna keep Will it Sommer's short and great. sweet. 
huge fan of Will Sommer. Not surprising, given that he specifically covers the sort of wacky right-wing fringe that interests me so much. I like right? Jared Holt's work, too. In the, oh, in Jared space. Holt is fantastic. Jared yeah, Holt, yeah. Will Sommer, uh, people like that. You know, Jordan Yule. Uh, there's a whole bunch of people in that area who cover the right-wing fringe stuff. You know, basically everyone at Media Matters I, I fucking love, you know. Uh, Alex Patterson. There's a whole bunch of people um, who are in that space who who I'm obsessed with. Uh, but I'm just giving you one, Will Sommer, because I have nothing to prove here, Ben. Okay, yeah, I would like to just point out that you gave three, though. You and you just. I no, I agreed with you on another one, and then I and then listed another two. Remembered so, something yeah, I had read exactly. recently from Media Matters, and yeah, popped List, into my head. Li- so, so we both listed four. You might say. We're both assholes, is what I might say. <laughs> but Benedict, you probably know, but the listeners may not, what exactly it is that we do here on this program. And to them, I would say that this is the show where we go deep, 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 to plumb the depths of right-wing thought by reviewing a chapter from a work of conservative nonfiction. And in between those weeks, we take a look at other examples of the right-wing doing their best to make America hate again. Benedict, you have a hot take. Start us off. With I this do, week. and it's that I'm sick to the back teeth of talk about fucking inflation, oh, um, <laughs> and it is mostly because I don't really understand it, but also because I think it is like largely, vastly overall, and I also uh, think... and also because you live in New York City where uh, you already have higher prices, so inflation yeah. doesn't affect you as much because they're really just talking about prices in other parts of the country, that, but catching also, up to what you're already paying. My conspiracy theory is that as soon as inflation gets into the news, businesses price gouge. Yeah, no, um, I, I would believe that. that so, if going back to like two weeks ago, was it? We had uh, what's a conspiracy theory you think would be interesting if it's true? I, I think that is think true. <laughs> <laughs> there might be truth behind that one. So people need to stop talking about inflation and, you know, that's fine. That'd be great. That cool. would be really good for all of cool. us. Down that's my hot take. I'm cool. down. But, and yeah, and my, my actual hot take part side of that is that I have a conspiracy theory that businesses like it because they can price gouge. Um, <laughs> what about you? My conspiracy theory. No, nope. nope. my conspiracy theory. I guess. I mean, you a hot got take me off be. on something else. Do you know what? Maybe we should change it from hot takes to conspiracy theories. Oh, where we just come up with a new conspiracy theory every week? Yeah, I oh, think that'd man. be quite fun. Maybe we should do that. <laughs> we'll see how it goes. But my hot take this week: um, we need to normalize not shaving mm-hmm. uh, for no other reason than my pure laziness. Okay. Uh, you know, I've been working in the professional world we've already done that for men mostly i don't know what to tell you you know what no no i mean entirely not shaving i mean let me grow a neck beard because Mm. you know what that we we all do it on weekends because we don't want to bother with shaving none of us do uh i'm gonna be honest with you this is not this is not a problem i have (laughs) it takes me like a it takes me like 10 days to grow any semblance (laughs) of a beard so i'm i'm good on it for those of us who are real men Hussute. Um, <laughs> the Hussute amongst us. Uh, some of us, uh, we have to shave every day. Otherwise, it becomes a problem, and it's we don't we don't look like we're expected to in the workplace. And I'm just, you know what? I get annoyed. I'm not a morning person. I like to wake up, stumble out of bed, throw on clothes, and walk out the door. Uh, if I have to take an extra three minutes in there to shave in the morning, that's a giant pain in my ass I don't want to have to deal with. So mm. let's work on this, people. Let's normalize not shaving for me. Do it for me. It was my birthday okay. recently. Anyways, Benedict, let's move on a little bit to housekeeping this week. Remember to rate and review us on the iTunes. Follow us on social media at NYGBCPod on Twitter. And I have a little update, short update, 
Um, this goes back to our Marjorie Taylor Greene episode. Uh, if you recall, in that episode, uh, Marjo, one of the videos we watched, she had a story about, quote, a trans in a bathroom. Oh, no. And she was unable oh, yeah, in any way... Yeah, she was unable in any way to articulate that story beyond that, despite it being yeah. a five-minute video clip. No, we talked about that Daily Wire piece, and then I think the New York Times did a report on it recently, uh, right? No, it was Media Matters, I think, oh, okay. is the one well, that we're I, the, thinking the, the, of. The Times did, too. I don't know if it was probably, off the back of probably. the Media Matters one. Right. Media Matters did a story on uh, November 8th that went around and that I really appreciated. It is titled, Fox News aired 88 segments about a sexual assault in Virginia to lie about and demonize trans people. You might want to put a, uh, a comment warning on this because it's not great yes yes it's it's not i'm not going to get into deep about it but uh just to let you know the basics of it um this was not a trans person it was just uh someone um uh, i believe it's someone who might have gone by they them pronouns doesn't really matter um it was not what they tried to portray it as which was a trans person sneaking into the wrong bathroom in their minds to try and get in and rape somebody um, it was someone who had been dating um, a young girl in high school and had previously met them in that bathroom for sex. Um, and this time, the girl didn't want to have sex with that person, but they, you know, were raped anyway. And that's that's horrible. But it's not at all what the fuck Fox News and the Daily Wire were trying to pretend it was, and what Marjorie Taylor Greene saw it as because of I'm assuming. Uh, the reporting that she got, which I'm sure beyond just Daily Wire and Fox News trickled down into, you know, the OANNs and the Newsmaxes of the world and the places where she's on pretty regularly. So I just wanted to get that out there because I didn't know at the time. You you had an awareness of the story. I had not uh, seen anything about it at the time that we talked about it on that episode. Mm -hmm. But I really appreciated uh, that uh, Media Matters always does this amazing reporting following up on the bullshit that's going on on Fox News and everywhere. So I uh, yeah. retweeted it when it came out. I'm also going to retweet it uh, when when this message or when this uh, episode goes out. So if you want to see it, you want to see uh, how they were lying about it, you can check that out. You can also, you know, just Google it. You'll find it. Anyways, moving on a little bit, Benedict. Um, we mentioned, obviously, that the patron-only bonus episode uh, is going to be available on the regular feed for everyone. And I mm -hmm. think, I think I'm going to put that out the day after Thanksgiving this week. Uh, if I can get Benedict to record it at the time I want him to, <laughs> we'll see how that goes. When when will that be? Because uh, we'll talk about that after we get off this okay. show. And we'll okay. worry about it then. Uh, but that's going to be coming soon. We'll see that coming out. And then we have one person to induct this week into the spooky new world order. Into, and that into is what? Sorry, into what? Into the new world spooky world order. <laughs> that's right. You like that drop as much as I do. I do. Uh, and that is Autumn Icarus on on Twitter, at Opinionator2021, who uh, reached out to me and helped me find online a copy of the, um, I don't know how to describe this or how it's going to sound that I was looking for this, but the um, terrorist inspiration novel uh, <laughs> written by William Luther Pierce. Uh, oh, no. Why? Yeah. Um, I, I Are you needed a deliberately copy of the not Diaries. saying the name. Yeah, okay, I, was I needed a copy of the Turner Diaries, and I put out into the ether on Twitter that I was having trouble finding it online. And uh, Autumn Icarus came through and uh, pointed me in some directions that that helped me find uh, it in the end because 
to be honest, nobody should be able to find that story. No, it's but, good that people can't find it. But, That's true. But you know what? Uh, the fact that it's a thousand times easier for me to find a copy of The Protocols of the Elders of Zion, which I also found online and is in the works for one of our episodes where we're going to have to talk about it. Um, the fact that, that, that the protocols are easier to find than this book does worry me. So, <laughs> anyways, Benedict, thank you for helping me out with that. You are now part of our... New World Spooky World Order. <laughs> Anyways, Benedict, let's move on to what we are here to talk about this week. And that is, of course... Actually, I don't think I did uh, uh, let it out what we were going to be talking about this week no, uh, on a previous okay. episode. But I told you, this week, we are talking about an individual who has come up several times uh, throughout the many authors that we've read on the, the normal uh, book review portion of the show. I think he he definitely came up in Glenn Beck. We talked about it then. I think he mm-hmm. came up in Dinesh D'Souza. Uh, I'm pretty sure he's come up in other places. And he is the spirit animal, for lack of a better word, of every libertarian know-nothing that you have met in your entire life. Oh, he's everywhere. Uh, he's everywhere. Yeah, came absolutely. Up at, yeah. He's definitely been in... Um... Yeah, Glenn Beck, as you say, he's in the he's in the other one that we're reading now, the Buckley one, um, yep, yep, as a direct comparison against Keyes. Keyes. Yep. Keys. Benedict, of course, I am referring to Ludwig Heinrich Edler von Mises, or von Mises. as I have called him and will continue to call him because I have heard it pronounced both ways. And to be honest, I don't care if this is the improper pronunciation, von Mies. Because Von Mises sounds like you're trying to improperly talk about a number of moose that are in the same place. That's what it sounds like to me. <laughs> okay. So Benedict Ludwig Heinrich Edler Von Mises was born uh, September that, 29th. Hmm, don't know how I feel about the increased Germanness of that <laughs> accent. <laughs> well, Benedict, he was born September 29th, 1881 in Lemberg, a city in the Austro-Hungarian Empire, which is okay. today modern-day Lviv, Ukraine. Lviv? It's L-V-I-V. I I don't know. Lviv. You pronounce it somewhere. Lviv. Sure. Say it like it's French. Hold on. Let me look at the the Russian, and I can tell you. Of course. Of course you're going to look it up, you (laughs) pretentious dick. Make me feel bad. Make me feel bad about it. I will. Hold on. Also, by the way, you're looking up a Ukrainian city in Russian. Huh. Yeah, but the, I, I mean the, the letters, because I can... I You're can just preparing for that city's inevitable future. <laughs> it's Lviv. Lviv. Okay, I was close enough. It doesn't really yeah. matter. No. Anyways, Bannock, you might be saying to yourself, wow, all of those words together sound really scary and remind me of bad stuff that happened in the middle of the last century around that part of the world. And you would be correct. There was a lot of bad stuff happening last, middle part of last century in that part of the world. But uh, von Mies was born into a Jewish family uh, Mm -hmm. with his mother Adele and his father Arthur Edler von Mies. They were a non-landed noble family uh, of the Austro-Hungarian Empire. So they were nobles, but they weren't the kind who had like a big estate and... You know, all that stuff you imagine that nobles had. But they they were certainly like they, they, they like put 
their coats down for the king at some point in like the 13th century <laughs> yes and they were like basically. you're a lord now <laughs> like, okay cool that seems to be how you people did that it is you're it very to much pretend is. That that's, that you're not from a culture that very much has that same system. no no we we did exactly that we were like the king was like can you lend me like a pound like i'm just a little short and they're like oh yeah here you go look i want to supersize and yeah and, and i'm just i'm not extra. quite there i just don't have the change can you lend me a quid or two and i was like okay you from henceforth you will be right. Earl. yeah i guess duke uh you can be a duke maybe yeah, why not i don't know what's dukes, higher dukes duke don't or, matter well the duke there's the dukes dukes are above earls and then you have the duke of earl who is higher than all of them i guess is how that goes a duchy yeah a duchy songs. duchy is bigger than an earldom <laughs> okay a duchy, good to a know. duchy is bigger than an earldom. good to know anyways he had a younger brother named richard von mies who went on mm-hmm. to be a mathematician and apparently was a pretty big deal he actually uh taught at harvard uh for most of his life until he died uh and basically appears to have disagreed with his brother on just about everything Primarily, as we will find, uh, Ludwig and his school of thoughts, rejection of math, science, statistics, or basically anything empirical whatsoever, because those all interfere with the conclusions they want to draw. Mm -hmm. But in 1900, uh, Ludwig attended the University of Vienna, uh, graduated with a law degree in 1906, and started a brief career in civil service in Austria's financial administration. Uh, after a few months there, he left, uh, you know, spending time as a, he was basically just a bureaucrat there. Uh, he left to join a law firm and started lecturing on economics. You might notice how nowhere in there did I ever mention him studying economics. That's because mm, he didn't interesting. really oh, okay. study okay, economics. Okay. But you know how great people are if they have an expertise in one thing? They're always good at everything else. Oh, yeah, yeah, And yeah. that they're automatically qualified to talk about just about anything. And I will say, as a lawyer myself, of course he was completely qualified to talk about economics. Mm, as, of yeah. course, I am as well. Yep. Uh, so during as World you can War tell I, from our brief segment on inflation <laughs> earlier in the episode. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. We are both qualified to talk about economics. During World War I, he was an artillery officer. Of course, he was part of the nobility, so they basically got automatically made officers whenever war came around. That's how things just sort of used to be back then. Uh, And simultaneously served as an advisor to the Austrian War Department, an economic advisor to the Austrian War Department. Mm -hmm. Uh, After the war, he began to write more extensively on economics, although not really economics, because remember, he rejected any empirical anything. So really, it was just sloppy logical arguments that you've heard from any of your drunk libertarian friends on a Friday night. Uh, In 1927, he wrote a book entitled Liberalism, containing the quote, quote, it cannot be denied that fascism and similar movements aiming at the establishment of dictatorships are full of the best intentions, and that their intervention has, for the moment, saved European civilization. The merit that fascism has thereby won for itself will live on eternally in history. But though its policy has brought salvation for the moment, it is not of the kind which could promise continued success. Fascism was an emergency makeshift. To view it as something more would be a fatal error. Written circa 1927. Okay, I was just about to ask, yeah. 19, 1927, he wrote that fascism is great. It's not going to be great in the future. Sort of undercut by the fact that he then went on to be the chief economist for the Austrian Chamber of Commerce and the economic advisor of Engelbert Dolfus, mm. who was the fascist leader of Austria and the fascist dictator of Austria from 1933 to 34 until he was assassinated. And uh, who took over from him in Austria? Just I don't know. They, who knows what happened in those times? 
<laughs> nothing to talk. Certainly nothing that any of the many YouTube videos I walked, I t watched about Ludwig von Mies. They all wanted to skip over this this period of time so much. They did not want to discuss this period of time. Uh, so they reasonable. all very much a lot of a lot of hands. I wouldn't say hand waving. I'd say hand flapping going yep. on when they got to around this period of time. So yes. From around 1932 to 34, when Dolphus made himself a dictator and instituted Austro-fascism, mm. uh, brutally repressing left-wing groups and political parties, including, to be fair, the Austrian Nazi Party, which was okay. the DNSAP, uh, because he wanted Austria to remain separate from Germany. Well, Kevin, uh, as we learned in the uh, American Conservative this week, Nazism and fascism <laughs> aren't necessarily the same. Well, I will say that... That is true, but it's yeah. not the flex that the American conservative obviously wanted to make yes. <laughs> when they wrote that stupid article earlier yep. this week. Um, but, you know, basically his, his ver version of fascism was modeled after uh, Catholic corporatism, very similar to Mussolini. And in fact, he was Francoism a very close... also. I mean, Francoism yeah. came later, but it's the same thing, yeah. basically. Well, and Engelbert Dolphus was a very close friend of Mussolini, so mm -hmm. it's you know not that surprising that he would find uh, that that sort of fascism appealing. Uh, but he was assassinated. Engelbert Dolphus was in July 1934 by ten members of the Austrian Nazi Party, which he had outlawed in June 1933, mm -hmm. months after he had outlawed uh, the socialist parties in Austria, of course. Um, and actually, this resulted in a bit of a schism between Hitler and Mussolini at the time, the type that, you know, you only really saw before the war began. It's really interesting when I was reading about it, because uh, like I said, Mussolini was a close friend with Engelbert, and his, his uh, wife was actually staying with Mussolini at the time that he was assassinated. Oh, so Mussolini gave the news to Dolphus's wife that he had been assassinated. Gosh. Yeah, yeah, really strange. Whenever but, you, uh, I just, whenever you say Engelbert, <laughs> and I hope you're going to stop now because whenever, because there's a British singer called Engelbert Hump Humperdinck. And every time you say the word Engelbert, my brain Eng goes Humperdinck. And I, I can't deal with that. So I'm going to need you to stop. Uh, isn't he, I, I think I remember Engelbert Humperdinck. Isn't he like, um, I, I, cause I have, you know, we all have grandparents and we all had to occasionally hear the music that they listened to. Wasn't he like, uh, I don't remember the kind of music, but it was like, like, nah, I'm not even going to worry about it. I'm not even going to worry about it. That seems yeah, right. we don't need to get into that at all. Anyways, Benedict, no, Ludwig von not. Mies was an advisor to Engelbert Dolphus. Last time I say it, I'll say it, I promise. <laughs> right up until his death. Okay. Uh, so I am very excited for the next time that someone like Dinesh D'Souza tells me that fascism was a left-wing economic ideology because I get to tell them that their boy Not Ludwig fascism. was the chief economist for it. He, to be fair, he says national socialism, socialism okay. was that, not fascism. No, Although, he does no, no, say no, fascism, he does say fascism too, because he yeah. says that Mussolini was yeah. a socialist. He, he basically yeah, says no, right, fascism, right. national socialism, uh, socialism, communism, Marxism, they are all exactly the same thing. That's Dinesh's argument in a nutshell. Mm -hmm. I mean, anyways, that year in 1934, Ludwig left Austria for Geneva, where he stayed until 1940 when he fled the German advance for New York. I mean, you know, he was a Jewish man living in Europe at the time. Very, very understandable. Uh, yep. He got to the U.S. via a grant from the Rockefeller Foundation. Oh, 
sounds nice. Yeah, which I again, when a lot of the uh, conspiracy theorists uh, who hate the Rockefellers, uh, wait, yeah, know, don't I, they hate I, Von Mies for uh, yeah, being funded by I the know. Rockefeller Foundation? I just kept yeah, running into things there. about this guy that's like, oh, this just cuts again all their stupid arguments. Uh, and then, of course, he became a visiting professor at NYU, basically a libertarian businessman, endowed a position for him. Um, basically how he got that professorship, which he maintained, I think, for 20-ish years. Um, and like most dipshit libertarians, uh, he talked a lot about classical liberalism. Oh, we yes. Love to hear. We love it. Talked about rationalism a lot. Uh-huh. Um, one of the big things of his, uh, his ideology is what's called praxology, which is an argument that human economic decisions are entirely rational, which they believe not because that's true, but because otherwise they're... Stupid arguments would be even more obviously false than they already are. Mm-hmm. Um, he, you know, as I mentioned, the reason why we're talking about him primarily is because he is, when they say the Austrian school of economics, they're really talking about, well, I half remember the name Ludwig von Mies. So uh, <laughs> obviously I'm a genius who knows more about uh, economics than any person who has ever actually studied the topic. And Facts. So there are two main schools of economics on the right. There's the Austrian school and the what is called the Chicago school. And the Chicago school is where you get people like Milton Friedman, right? And in the Austrian yep. school is people like Murray Rothbard and Friedrich Hayek and people like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And like I said before, the main difference between these is the, the Austrian school does literally, this is not hyperbole, reject the use of statistics or economic modeling or any sort of, any sort of um, uh, metrics that you could use. They rely entirely on what they believe are logical arguments to make mm-hmm. the argument. So the Chicago school is like uh, stupid arguments that don't really fit. It's some guy going, well, I see that Keynes would believe that X would happen. But obviously, uh, ignoring the fact that over the last 80 years in the United States, um, obviously the Keynesian side has won and the world is much better off and the economy obviously much better off. I think that based on this little argument that I've taken out of context, and if you take a look at these numbers that don't accurately reflect what I'm trying to argue, that uh, in fact, Keynes was wrong. <laughs> the Austrian school is a guy peeing down his pant leg and yelling socialist at anyone wearing a red shirt. Interesting. So those are the two differences. And if you think I'm being hyperbolic about that, some of the better stories I found about von Mies involve basically him doing just that. Um, okay. So uh, I believe it was actually, it might have been Milton Friedman who wrote about it in one of his books, his interactions did, with Von Did Mies. he like Milton Fr- Did they like, like they each were, other? They or were did part they... of the same group because they all at the core believed the same stupid bullshit. Um, but but, but like, I mean, was there any rivalry between the Chicago school and the Austrian school, I guess is my question. Yeah, like even the Chicago school, a lot of people who are honest, like um, basically some of the stuff I read was like, you know, they're not really economists. They're just people making arguments, right? This is basically the, the thrust of it. Kevin. Um, yes. That's what all economists are. Right, Benedict. But what I, <laughs> what I mean, and maybe I should clarify, is um, the Austrian school economists, like I said, do not believe in statistics. They do yeah. not believe in numbers. They do not believe in using anything empirical to study economics. They believe literally that you can entirely come up with economic systems and economic uh, ideas and, and decide how to run a government and an economy based off of logical pure arguments. Reason. By, yeah, yes, okay. pure reason, reason alone, which I have to point out, like, obviously they're very bad at that as well, right? Because um, you can have an argument that is is purely logical and that is 
in 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 philosophy and in logic terms valid right so um all dogs are mortal uh socrates is mortal therefore socrates is a dog right that is a valid <laughs> logical argument because it, it, it sure. is it's not correct because the premises are false so you can use valid logic and not use any logical fallacies, even though there is an informal logical fallacy there. Don't get at me about that. But you yeah, can. Yeah, yeah. I was gonna. But but <laughs> I was considering whether to to do it or not. But I but just not using to. strict logic, there is nothing wrong with that statement. The problem is that the premises are wrong, and if you put premises that are correct into a logical formula and a logical argument generally you will end up with a valid result that is also correct but if you put false premises in you will end up with a valid result that is incorrect and that is so often what they do and also to be fair many of them including more of the modern day types are also very bad at logic and actually mm. not logical people because they haven't studied logic. They don't know what they're talking about. What they mean more often when they say logical, like when you talk to a libertarian or you talk to, I don't know, my father, um, what they actually mean <laughs> is, isn't that this follows the rules of logic and that we are reaching the proper result. What they mean is this, I sounds, agree with that. this sounds right to a mid-50s white guy sitting on his couch based on his preconceived notions and biases. That's logical. what they mean by logical, right? Yeah, quite right. But so he, uh, I'll get, uh, I'll get back to those two stories in a second here that I was going to talk about. But uh, Whitaker Chambers, who's a conservative commentator who wrote in the National Review, um, wrote a pretty bad review of his book, The Anti-Capitalistic Mentality, which was one of Von Mises' book. Uh, damn it, I said it the way that people say it. Uh, Von Mies, god damn it. Um, he <laughs> said, quote. Well, Von that, Mies, it could have been an apostrophe S, to be fair. Von sure. Mises' book. It, yeah. it, well, that's true. That is. That is what it is in, yeah, in the yeah, way yeah. I wrote it down. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he said that uh, the thesis of the book, the anti-capitalist sentiment, was rooted in, quote, envy epitomized by know-nothing conservatism at its know-nothingest. Oh. Right. So the book, the thesis that anti-capitalist sentiment is rooted in envy, someone wrote in the National Review that that was know-nothing conservatism at its know-nothingest. That I find crazy, given how often we hear today that socialism is just about people who are greedy or jealous or like that's a standard right wing talking point. Of it course, is, Whitaker yeah. Chambers wrote this, you know, 30 or I think more like 40 or 50 years ago. So back when at least, you know, as we've seen with what we've read of uh, of Buckley, like at least they tried to be, you know, Buckley is, is honest about what he thinks in that he doesn't believe in freedom. Um, and he at least has some consistency. They're bad at all of it, but, you know, at least they're honest about what they think. I think maybe that's where they came from. But so mm -hmm. these two stupid stories that came from Milton Friedman, uh, one was that they were at uh, basically like a, a weekend getaway. There was like this retreat that had a name. I don't remember what it was, and I didn't write it down in my notes. Um, and they had a roundtable discussion where uh, people at the table were discussing the income tax and whether it could be necessary. And a few of them said, yes, I can see situations in which an income tax could be beneficial to society. Apparently, Mies actually stood up from the table and called them all socialists and left. Oh, fun. Okay, cool. Yeah. So that, that's the level we're dealing with. Okay, that's the cool, level cool, we're cool. dealing with here. Another time, apparently at that same retreat, one of Mies' protégés, Fritz Moschlup, was giving a presentation in which he discussed the gold standard, and Moschlup came down on the side of being in favor of floating exchange rates rather than the gold standard. Mies did not speak to him for three years. Wow. <laughs> This is a petty man. <laughs> and other people had to get them back together. Wow, what a petty That's man. what we're talking about. And so 
we're going to talk more about the actual ideas of, if you can call them that, of Austrian economics, and that next time, in two weeks, when we talk about the Von Mies Institute and the modern libertarian uh, Austrian movement or what they think they are doing. Anyways, it's hard to describe. We're going to talk about more of that then, but today I wanted to give you a basic overview of who this guy was and where all this comes from, because a lot of the paleoconservative, hard-right libertarian types have followed him. I mean, Ayn Rand was a huge fan and I think sold a couple of his books through her, like, she had like a book, uh, objectivist book list that she sold books through or some shit. She'd sold mm-hmm. some of his books. Uh, Murray Rothbard, who's a guy that we'll hear about when we talk about the Von Mies Institute, as well as Lou Rockwell. Of course, Ron Paul, who thinks he knows things, uh, is a fan of Von Mies. So a lot of these people who you're familiar with from libertarianism, um, you know, they all, they all follow this supposed Austrian school and are fans of Von Mies. But Benedict... The main reason we're talking about him today on the show is because I found possibly the greatest video to ever be placed on the okay. internet. Kevin texted me about this, everyone, like yes, three hours ago. Yes, um, Kevin rarely texts me because he's so excited about a video beforehand. <laughs> so I am really excited to see where this well, goes. Well, Benedict, I was looking for videos about Von Mies. And, you know, I found a bunch of you know, old fat white guys sitting in chairs talking about how we shouldn't have any regulations or just Dennis Prager in seven different videos. Basically, basically Uh, Prager also, of course, has talked about Von Mies. He's a fan. Of course he has. Um, But I found one which is put out by a group called AIER, which is the, uh, I believe it's the American Institute for Economic Research, which is supposedly a think tank. Uh, I mean, I'm sure it is a think tank. It was founded in 1933 when von Mies was still in Austria working for a fascist. Um, And it it basically serves to pimp gold and it runs a private investment firm. The classic right wing. It invests a lot in gold. Yeah, it does a lot of that. You know, it's just a fucking uh, dipshit libertarian economics bullshit think tank. That's all it is, really. Um, But Benedict, the only way I can describe how this video exists is that someone drove their granddaughter to, uh, you know, drove her to soccer practice, and she wanted to listen to the Hamilton soundtrack in the Mm. car on the way there. And that got the wheels a-turning. And somebody said to themselves, driving back home that night, I know how we get all the kids interested in paleoconservative tax protesting. We gotta do a rap video. Great. (laughs) Love that. Let's go. No further explanation needed. Let's go. This video is entitled The March of History, Mises versus Marx, The Definitive Capitalism versus Socialism Rap Battle. And it is 10 minutes long. No, no rap battle is 10 minutes long. Yeah, but it is 10 minutes long. The beginning of it here, I'll just describe to you because it's it's going to be, uh, the, the rap battle doesn't start for a little bit. Um, it's two guys walking basically through a protest on their way to go into a movie theater. And the protesters are holding signs like, we need a green new deal. And we are okay. the 99%. So this is basically a new standard. video then. This video came out in 2019, Benedict. Okay, all right. October 15th, 2019. And it was produced basically by... I looked. I kept looking into it because it's amazing. There's basically like a paleoconservative YouTube ch- production company that makes like Great. little videos. Like they have a bunch of... Like they have an interview with Justin Amash on their website. And they have like the, this... Uh, 
Oh, God, before we do this, there's this spoof action figure video they did, which, A, is fucking hilarious, and B, brought me back to my childhood, like, in a way that I would not expect this would be what did it. I'll play this for you for a second here. Heads they win, tails you lose, forget the rule book, they make the rules. Wanna compete? You'll be rejected, get with the Cronies action figures. Yeah! Oh, that voice right it. there. That voice right there did it for me. Okay. Get ready for the new Cronies action figures. That one did it for me so hard. <laughs> it's the greatest. <laughs> it's the fucking greatest. Anyways, so that's who we're dealing with who made okay. this video. <laughs> cool. Good, good. All right, let's do it. Let's get straight into it. Here we go. You see, it's a revolution. Capitalism's days are numbered. Then there goes our freedom. If oh, socialism no. wins, America loses. We have nothing to lose but our chains. <laughs> and our civilization. <laughs> I like that that's so great. Just uh, like talking point, talking point, talking point, yeah, talking point. Yes, yes. So one of these, there, there, there are two guys. One of them is, um, you know, is beard guy. That's your Marxist guy. The other guy is mustache with no beard, uh, blonde guy. Sort of blue eyes, like blonde to, hair, blue eyes. Yeah, trying to pull off a, a bit of the fashy look going on, I think. Yeah. And so these are the two guys that are walking through here arguing. Learn some history. Private property and free markets built modern day society. Yeah, and modern society is the problem. You know how Benedict, you just walk two for March of history. Arguing about communism versus capitalism with your buddies. I do that quite a Thank lot, you. to be honest, but. Enjoy the show, boys. Look at this theater. Look at all of this plenty. This is capitalism. Okay, pause it. Diabetes. <laughs> do, do they think they don't have theaters in Soviet countries? Look at countries? all this plenty, like, Benedict. Look at all of this plenty. <laughs> famously, like, Russia has some of the most famous, like, opera yes. houses and opulent yes. theaters in anywhere that exists. Bolshoi so. ringing a bell? Yeah, yeah. I know. But so, look, look. This group, I will say about AIER, they are... Um, Dumb. Yeah, well, no, they're right. dumb. They're very dumb. But as you often run across, uh, you run across when you're doing this sort of, re I wouldn't call it research what I do, but looking into these groups, you find that there are groups who are intellectually consistent in a way that surprises you. Because so many of the people that we read, I think more of the, you know, the closer you get to mainstream republicanism, there's, there's no intellectual consistency there. Because that's not what they're about. They're about pushing a specific political group, right? They're about pushing the mm -hmm. Republican Party. Uh, but these guys, like... I've seen other videos of theirs when I was re researching for this episode where they are saying, uh, I think Ludwig von Mies would hate uh, the current Republican Party and Donald Trump and the fact that they're doing tariffs and fear-mongering about immigration, and despite the fact that Ludwig did do some fear-mongering about immigration of his own. But um, So they do have an intellectual consistency that is, if you're familiar at all with libertarian thinking, where they are like, you know, unlike Glenn Beck, who says, well, I think there's a problem on both sides, and then just spends his entire time shitting on Democrats and pretending mm -hmm. that, liber that Republicans have no problems, they are consistent in that way. And you will see in this rap video, there are some places where, like, at least they're not straight up lying about what Marx would think, I guess. It, it's, it's interesting. We'll see. We'll keep going. Shh. Got it. Your whole world is coming apart. 
I pity you. America is once again at ideological war. After decades of post-war consensus, the great debate between capitalism and socialism has captured the public square. And no two men have more fervently fought this battle than socialist philosopher Karl Marx. Why do you think that is? Why do I Consens think that... Con consensus doesn't expire for no reason. So it means it's sure. not... The, the, what was working isn't working for people anymore. So sure. I, that's I why we're having this conversation again. No, I know yeah. you know, but I'm just saying. Yes. And I would also say, right, portraying what modern people want, the majority of us, as socialism. I, I've talked many times about how I don't even think socialism is the appropriate label for, you know, what we want, like Medicare for all and, you know, higher taxes on the rich and shit. I don't, a, I don't think a it's basic a basic social safety net yeah right right we're just talking about liberal democracy generally is what yeah. i think we're talking about uh but yeah. anyways it continues and classical liberal economist ludwig von mises marx versus mises mises versus marx the march of history continues When men were free, we hunted and gathered communally, but get ready, because... <laughs> okay, I have a lot of so, thoughts. It's, I, look, the I, guys, I, I have to talk okay. first. Okay. This guy, okay, as far as white guy rappers on the internet go... Not bad! It is, is not the worst I've seen. It is genuinely not the worst that I've seen. I'm okay? convinced. Let's do Marxism. <laughs> um, can you... I, I'm sorry. Can you just share your screen? Because I, I, yeah, yeah, I need to I need to see what's happening here. All right, give me just a second, and I'll cut you know the time that I'm doing this out of the episode. This video, by the way, has 3.2 million views. Wow, mother! Is I it just know. everyone fucking laughing at it? Jesus Christ! I, I don't I don't know how many people were laughing at it, but so we got you seeing it now, which is an improvement, I think, because yeah, have to I see think this I, there, the there's effect. a lot going on here. There is mm -hmm. I, I'm already learned a lot mm -hmm. just yeah. from watching yeah. that back again. Okay, so let's we'll continue. Go. Here comes the twist. A villain appears called a capitalist. He puts the yep. proletariat That's awesome. in chains, exploits our labor in pockets of gains. Through slick ads, he tricks lads and ladies and kind, selling fake needs. He poisons our hearts and minds. He rots our soul Pause through. A <laughs> That's, I mean, look. Those are not. That is not. That is a rats. valid critique. They're, yeah. They're, they're, it's, they're, no. It's, that's the thing. That's that's what I'm saying. Is that they are allowing the mar you know, the Marxist position, I guess, to be accurately portrayed. Yeah. Uh, to an extent, right? Sort of like this is like pop Marxism, right? This is like, you know, yeah. we have like pop history. This is pop Marxism. It's not. A, they're not doing any deep yeah. cuts, but they're at least not distorting it like Glenn Beck would. Uh, they're not no. lying about what it is. And they're actually letting him have a good rap and a good presentation. Yeah, I was very it's also surprised. Fun. Like, so also like you don't let the other guy go first mm -hmm. if the like unless you've unless you know you've got a really oh, strong Benedict. rebuttal. Oh Benedict, it's about to break down. It's about okay, to good. break down. All right, go. Alienation, pursuing limitless accumulation. He works us into an early grave through debt steals back the money we save. Greed is the gospel. Profit. Get rich at the graft and fraud The poor get poor, but you don't care Doesn't that sound lazy unfair? Oh, oh, that's a bar That's a that bar. Is a bar That is a bar 
That's what blew my mind when I was watching this. They wrote a good bar. Doesn't that sound less say unfair? Okay. I didn't even have to tell you to pause it. I paused it at the same time as you did and reacted. So like, I'm like, okay, that is, that is a bar. All right. God damn, that's good. That's unfair. so good. We're getting right. close. To, I think we're getting to the uh, the first portion of the rebuttal. So here we go. 200 years okay. I've been singing this song. Now my chorus is 99% strong. The revolution's here. It's time to repent. Your moment is over. Your capital spent. Lucy's history's lesson. And now we get to the worst part of All we want is progression. We've had bourgeois oppression. Pause it. So they Did something happen to your input? Or is it just weird? Th- that is their version of auto-tune. They oh, didn't spring. I thought you'd knocked a cable or something. They, no, they didn't spring for the T-Pain package. They just... Okay. <laughs> Look, the production value has been pretty high so far. I can let yep. them have that they're like... This is what I looked at no, a YouTube video. It said how to do uh it said how to do auto tune on GarageBand and this is how I'm doing it. Okay, so let's do it. Just roll with it. Guten Tag, Marks. Nice to meet you. My name's Ludwig. Call me teacher, the master of markets, the Austrian boss. You don't like profits? Well, let's talk loss. The problem with your plan is nobody wins except Stalin, Pol Pot, Ho Chi Minh, Lenin, Mugabe. Remember Berlin? They built a wall to keep their people in. Your theories have a rotten foundation. Built on control, not cooperation. Centralized power completely corrupts. Real people suffer. Violence erupts. Your system depends on the very same people you Cry is greedy, bourgeois, and evil. If Pause we're not it. fit to... Um, yeah. What? Uh, right? <laughs> I'm looking at you. My arms are going wild right now. <laughs> like this, and this, this is the thing, right? So, um, this is not like if if uh the Young Republicans or the YAF or fucking Turning Point USA were to do this video, it would be it would be so much worse. It would be yeah. it'd be just slathering bullshit. I want to keep going, and I want to get to Marx's rebuttal to this section because okay. you'll see what I'm talking about when I say this is, oh shit, this is this is something different than we run across so many times. Yeah. No. Okay. Um, this isn't really a good argument, though. It's just no. like, uh, your stuff doesn't work either. It's not like my stuff right. does work. Right. It's just like, well, you know, of Stalin. So yes, exactly. Really, like, exactly. <laughs> to run our own lives? Why would you expect our votes to be wise? If you really want to help people rise what? up. Okay, pause it. Did he just lean over during that? Yes. Eat popcorn and go, very good argument. Is that what just happened? <laughs> yeah, that's basically what happened. So there's a person in the audience eating popcorn, literally, and he's going, very good argument. He had a, you didn't hear him, but you could see the words coming on his lips. Yeah. <laughs> I, I have the I have the closed captions on just so that I know where I am because uh-huh. I'm not exactly where you are. But yeah, it's, uh, it's, yep. it's a lot, Kevin. It's a lot. It's a lot. It's a lot. Each individual has their own voice. The heart of my theory is freedom and choice. This is history's lesson. The market's a blessing. Let's pursue our own expression. Living free from aggression. So we 
Pause it, pause it, pause it, pause look, it, pause look, it. Look, these Living are... free from aggression, yes. the famous motto of capitalist society. Well, Benedict, I, I, this is one of those points where I had to point out that groups like this that are sincerely libertarian Austrian people, Austrian school people, they do characterize the state doing anything as aggression, right? They talk a lot uh, about okay, pa- okay. state power and stuff like that. Yeah. So they are characterizing it in that way, which I disagree with, but I get where it's coming from, having looked into them. Gotcha. And, and yeah, yeah, no, I get that. Okay, that makes sense. Free marketeers love to play this game. Mao kills billions. Marx gets blamed. It's deceptive, dishonest, plain unfair. Did I drive the tanks at Tiananmen Square? Man, I'm a humanist. No. You can check my receipts, but you gotta break eggs if you wanna eat. Don't like violence? Admit defeat. Then I'll call this revolution complete. Till then, let's get a few things straight. I'm not shaping the future. I'm embracing our fate. My utopian forebears weren't that specific, but this analysis is highly scientific. Every social system has governing laws capitalism doomed because the system generated its own fatal flaws by uniting workers in a common cause okay that's pretty damn good again that's correct pretty, yeah uh, well again it's like it's gonna he, the rebuttal coming from Mies now is going to be oh every marxist says that it's not actually been done or some shit like that right so but they are they're being fairer with what a Marxist would respond to those critiques with than anyone I have ever come across. It's driving me insane. Yeah, that's why better. are you, why are you lunatics? You dum-dums, you know-nothings. Why are you being this way? You're supposed to be throwing your poop. You're supposed to be throwing <laughs> your poop. At least they've read Marx, clearly. I mean, yes, you know. yes, this is astonishing. This okay. is much better than anything we got from Green New Neil. I'll, I'll tell you that. <laughs> We'll keep going a little further because I'm enjoying this so much. All right, let's, let's see. Do it. Let's get through maybe the next rebuttal and then we'll be done with it. Okay. Thanks to you, we have all the wealth we need to seize control and eradicate. Oh wow! It, that, okay. Pause it. One second. No, no, no. I need <laughs> to talk about classic, how the fact that they, they threw the a ra- an absolute ragdoll <laughs> off the side of a balcony. They grabbed the <laughs> the guy in the in the box that was watching. I, I don't know. The box they went like, full always sunny. They went full always sunny. You could so tell it was a ragdoll. And then now, well, but I think have, they played that up for a bit think? of humor. I don't know. Maybe. I think they. I don't think they intended for. I think they intended for you to realize it was a dummy. I think they played that up for okay. humor. Because right, so what right. happened was Marx threw a capitalist off of the balcony. Uh, and it like it did that thing where it cuts to a different camera view, and it's so clearly a dummy, which is why I call it the alt going always sunny because they did that in always sunny whenever they did that, the you know throwing somebody off a roof or something. So yeah, yeah, good stuff. Real Marxism has never been tried. Equality is the core of my creed. From this one's ability to that one's need, our healthcare, finance, and industry. Let's collectivize and set ourselves free. Your standard refrain. Oh, that's not the real thing. The most common verse all your followers sing. The closer we get to your ideal system, further we go down the road to surfer. Boo! Bad rhyme. Yeah, that is a bad, bad rhyme. rhyme. That is a bad rhyme. The empirical record can't be denied. You don't get to talk about empirical records. Austrian school people don't get to talk about no. empirical records. That'll be no. my one of my bigger criticisms right here. Yeah. Your ideas don't work, but they just won't die. Attention! Yeah. 
This is not breaking news. Jevons and Manger lit that fuse. Now here comes the bomb via Von Bon He blew up your system, exposed the court work. So this is the part where they try to pull in obscure figures obscure, that nobody has obscure, ever heard yeah, of. No, you can't that that's like playing playing the new album the, that isn't even released yes, yet. This is the deep cut. This yeah. is the deep cut coming in. <laughs> Heart of your theory is exploitation of surplus value. That's a bogus equation. You can't. It was so great to me is I actually looked into that line and found out that they're just doing like that schoolhouse rock thing where they try and bring in the actual words of this theory and all this nonsense. Uh, okay, and, okay. Oh God, it's it's so great. It's so great. Explain value by measuring the cost of labor. That theory of value is lost favor. Value is subjective by every measure. One man's trash is another man's treasure. There's no exploitation if two people arrange voluntary exchange. Man, that's not deranged. Boom, son. We get right into that whole contractual bullshit we yeah. always hear from these people. Voluntary exchange, their failure to recognize the involuntariness of their so-called voluntary exchange. Yeah. God, I love this shit so much. I love this so much, but but I see that I'm driving you nuts. <laughs> no, yeah, it's not great. Can I just tell you that the top suggested video for me right now on the side uh, mm -hmm. is Fight of the Century, Keynes v. Hayek. Yes, Benedict. Oh, uh, di did I leave you with the impression that there was only one? It's not uh, by the same left versus it's not by right the same economist channel. rap. Yeah. No, no, no. It's not by the same channel, but it is by the same people who did this video. Oh, that is, is the YouTube video production outfit, Emergent Order, gotcha, that I told gotcha. you about. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. The same okay, people I who did. It's the same people who did the uh, uh, action figure video I played a snippet of for you. Same people. Gotcha. That's them. There okay. are, as far as I can tell, Two other economist versus economist rap battles that they have done. They did Keynes versus Hayek twice. <laughs> oh, fun. Okay. So, Benedict, we might be looking at those in the future. I hope uh, so. I, I think we're done with this video for today. <laughs> it just, it's more, uh, from here on, I watched the whole thing because I sincerely loved this. Um, they keep going and, you know, deeper into, you know, if you've read anything about Austrian economics and their beliefs, you'd recognize what they're saying. But a lot of it is just like, it's it's not worth, uh, it's not as fun as the beginning part of the video was. But Benedict, was I wrong? Or is that the greatest video on YouTube? Uh, it's pretty great. I, it's, it's pretty, pretty amazing. Anyway, <laughs> thank you all for listening. And we hope you enjoyed the show. Remember, if you just can't get enough of us, you can go over to patreon.com forward slash NYGBC become a patron for as little as $2 an episode for patron-only episodes, shout-outs on the show, early releases of our episodes, and more. As always, we have to give a shout-out to wonderful and amazing patrons. Benjamin Carlisle, Dexter, Allison, C. David, Megan Ruth, Glowrung the Deceiver, Big Easy Blasphemy, Becky Scott Fairley, Stephen and Cindy Dimmick, A.J. Brantley, Taru Takanen, Skeptical Seventh, and Balls Watterson, and George Soros. Thank you all, as always, for being our patrons. That's it for this week's show. Till next time, here I come to save the day. Goodbye. Bye.
The Not Your Grandmother's Book Club podcast is a production of Kevin and Benedict Productions. Copyright 2020. All rights reserved. Music for this podcast is by Silverman Sound Studios. Find out more at silvermansound.com.